Well, um, great to be with you tonight. Great to be with you if you're watching online. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. And the aim of this series that we're doing as we go towards Easter in Matthew's Gospel is that you will fall more in love with Jesus. He is magnificent. He is the picture to us of what our Father's heart is. And we are following Jesus. And we're wanting to follow him closely and be transformed by him. We want to learn to do the things that he did. We want to be in his presence. And uh, we want to be his representation as best as we can on planet Earth. That's what it means to be the body of Christ. And um, we're thinking about miracles because Jesus did a lot of them. He was famous as a miracle worker. In fact, people sometimes asked him for a miracle and he was a bit offhand with them. You know, there's a time when the Pharisees said, show us a sign. And he said, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign. Because what they wanted was the thing rather than the person. And a sign isn't something in itself. We don't actually rejoice in miracles, though we do rejoice with Matt, um, you know, and T, that, that they are better. That's good news. But really, we don't want to fall in love with the miracles. We want to fall in terms of the miracle giver. And the sign is a signpost. It's meant to make us wonder. We call miracles signs of wonders very often in the Bible because they're signs that make us wonder. Who is this person that can do these extraordinary things? That was the question about who Jesus is ripples all the way through the gospel narratives. Who is this man? We can't make him out. He says this stuff. He does these things. Who is he? And it still ripples through the world today, doesn't it? People are not sure about Jesus. Is he a great moral teacher? Is he... You know, it, it, was he just a kind of, uh, was, was he a, a sort of, a, some sort of divine being? Was he, um, who, who was he? But those of us who, who are here tonight as part of this church family, we believe that Jesus was the Son of God, fully God, but also fully man, bridging the gap between a divided humanity and a Godhead, able that we could approach God, revealing God to us, becoming small enough so that we could know and see him, but big enough that he could bring the power of heaven to bear on our lives. And we're going to read through, um, who's got a Bible with them? I, I wrote to hundreds of people on my letter, bring your Bible to church. And if you haven't got a Bible, who's got a phone with a Bible on it? Oh, yes, you have, haven't you? So that's all right. But you can't scribble on, anyway, anyway, you know, there we are. So we're just going to unpack um, Matthew's gospel, but just a couple of shout outs before we begin. I want to shout out my friend Paul Mitchell. He sat there on the front row. In, um, in the 1980s, Paul and I led a church where we saw the power of God at work. And it was very exciting and wonderful and life transformative for me. So thank you for being here tonight, Paul. And uh, there's some other lovely people, the Grafton parents are here. There they are. Looking, yeah, looking lovely. I think. Anyway, uh, and, and lots of other friends. Uh, great to have Mark Reed in the house. A little shout out for Mark Reed. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, so you, but whoever you are, you're really welcome. Let's get back to the Bible. <laughs> totally bring your Bible. These chapters, chapter eight and nine, there's a flow of miracle. And um, just this reputation that Jesus had. You know, there's a, a time when, when Peter was preaching, and he was, he was, he's talking to a Gentile, to a, to a centurion called Cornelius in Acts chapter 8. He's in Cornelius' house, and he's been summoned. It's a long way away. And this guy's not even a Jew, but he's saying, you've, you, you've heard about Jesus Christ, who went around 
doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil because God was with him. And he could say this because the reputation of Jesus as a miracle worker, as a healer, as an exorcist was huge. So here we are in Matthew 8. When Jesus came down from the mountains, and you do put the scriptures up if you can, um, Takis, thank you for uh, bearing with my lack of making PowerPoints. When Jesus came down from the mountain, a large crowd followed him, and a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. And then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. A few things just from that little healing, if you're willing. Do you ever ask God that question? Are you willing? Do you doubt that God actually wants to help you in your need? Do you know God is more willing to touch our lives than we think? Jesus told parables to help us understand that God is a better God than we think he is. He's a more loving father. He's a more faithful friend. He's better than you think. Is he willing? Of course I'm willing. The problem is never at God's end. God is willing because he's a compassionate and merciful God. And Jesus demonstrates it. Jesus comes to show us what God's like. He comes to show us the Father. And the Father is the kind of Father that reaches out to a desperate, alienated, isolated individual carrying a shameful disease and touches him. That's the heart of God. You may be carrying long-term problems, pain, sickness, but don't never think that God's not for you. There may be all kinds of reasons for why you're in the position you're in, but it's not because God isn't for you. God is for you. And um, I love the fact that Jesus touched the untouchable. You know? That's what a leper is, someone who's untouchable. It's worse than COVID. You, just don't you, know, you get defiled if you touch someone. But when God touches someone, God doesn't get defiled. When Jesus doesn't touch someone, he doesn't get defiled. Rather, the defiled person gets cleansed. And there's nothing in our lives that's so shameful that we can't expose it to God to let God's mercy and love flow in. God is a God who cleanses and heals. Let's not let shame stop us opening our lives to God. And um, this is a sign for us, this first miracle in this chapter, of the mercy of God and the heart of God. But it's also a sign the way that often healing is manifested. It often happens through touch. You know, people were always touching Jesus or trying to get him to touch. They, people brought their little babies to let Jesus pl place his hand on them. People thought, if we just touch the edge of his cloak, we'll be healed. And a bit later on in, in Matthew's Gospel, there's, there's just such a story. And there's something about touch that it's an affirmative thing of drawing near. But it's also a conduit for power. Because miracles happen when the power of God touches people's lives. And power flows. And power very often flows through touch. And for me, I, I, I love to lay hands and pray for people. And very often, when I'm praying for people and lay hands on them, the power flares. I was praying for someone just at our, our quiet service last month. And just, oh, I've just felt the power. Did you feel that? Yes, I did. You know, because the power of God flows. So we love to lay hands on people when we pray for them. And tonight, there will be an opportunity for people who need prayer to have hands laid on them. Let's have a look at another miracle. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking him for help. Let's have the, oh, there it is. Is the Bible's up there, look. Yeah. 
let's keep those Bible passages flowing. Um, and Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself are a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and he goes, and this one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west that will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside. The darkness will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. This is a big deal miracle because it, 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 it's not Jesus laying hands on someone. It happens at a distance. And one of the keys to this one is this, this element of faith that the centurion has. Now, I, I believe that faith is a real key to see the power of God come down. Because and the way I talk about it, I say faith earths the power of God. And critique this if you want to. But I, I don't think that God's necessarily safe. I think he's good and he's loving but power that is good isn't necessarily safe. There's a lot of physical power in this building. There's a lot of electricity, and it's not safe. It's blooming useful. <laughs> We'd find it difficult to do our modern world without electricity, but we make it safe. We, we insulate it. We sheath it to protect it from you touching it inadvertently and getting a shock or dying. And, and the power of God actually... In Scripture, it's so powerful, it's not actually safe for unholy people. You know, the Bible says, the Old Testament, you, you can't look on the face of God and love, and, or, or God saying, look, I'd love to draw near you, but actually, I'm too risky for, for you guys, because <laughs> I know what you're like, so I better keep my distance, not because I don't love you, but because you're not really able to handle me as I really am. If you want the Spirit, you've got to have the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is holy. So, um, but, you know, there's something about faith that God counts as righteousness. And we could unpack that. It goes right the way back to Abraham, who saw Jesus' day, who had an experience where he's almost kind of acting out the father's heart of giving his only son. And, and there's something about the faith that Abraham demonstrated is the faith that we have in Jesus, which means that it gets counted as righteousness and means people with faith can handle the holy. And I've got to say that my experiences of faith that faith somehow releases the power of God in extraordinary ways. Now, faith is a, is, a, is a slightly sophisticated thing because it is both a gift of the Spirit and a fruit of the Spirit. We have faith. We are in the faith. And yet there is a gift of faith. And I don't know fully how those things work, but I believe the centurion had a gift of faith and said, mm, I believe and I recognize in Jesus somebody who carries spiritual authority I understand authority. I believe this man somehow carries that authority too. Either he's under the authority of God or he's representing this divine kingdom of heaven. So I'm gonna try, if, if he says it, it's going to happen. 
There's a whole bunch of people who have faith like that. They believe it's going to happen. The woman who touches Jesus, she said in her heart, if I just touch the edge of his garment, I'll be healed. And Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you well. It earthed the power of God. And as Matt was saying, faith is something that can grow. Faith comes through hearing the word Paul writes. And um, just testimony can build faith. It's built a bit of faith tonight in the room, hasn't it? You've got a bit more faith because you've heard something from Matt here tonight. And maybe you've, you've got faith because you've looked at Jesus. And you think, that Jesus who did those things then is alive today. And that means anything can happen. But authority is huge, isn't it? It's really significant. Here's this man who recognized the authority and worth. And I want to say to you, Jesus is someone you can have faith in. It's not faith in me. It's not faith in Christianity as a creed. It's faith in a person, our Lord Jesus Christ. So, where there's great faith, by the way, you don't always need a lot of fuss and shouting and laying on of hands and um, accoutrements. You know, sometimes in healing and in miracles, we do stuff to help us have something to hang our faith on. We anoint people with oil. We douse them with water. And, and, and that's all good because God is not too proud to give us things to help us hang our faith on. We have a faith in people sometimes. The visiting preacher, we've always got more faith in him than the home, homegrown one, don't we? Sorry. But where there's great faith, you don't need that stuff. And so we get confused sometimes. We think we need all the paraphernalia. The paraphernalia is just there to help us. I think about the, the man born blind. And do you know the man born blind in, in John 9 that Jesus encounters? Jesus does a whole lot of crazy things. And he puts mud on his face and, and he, he sends him to wash in the pool and come back. But you see, that blind man had nothing to hang his faith on. He'd never seen Jesus in action. He didn't even know who Jesus was. And when Jesus sent him to get healed, he gave him some stuff to help him hang his faith on. But where there's great faith, we don't always need that. And it can happen at a distance. It can happen remotely, you know? Anyway, I'm going to move on. Third miracle. Let's read it. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. And he touched her hand. The fever left her. She got up and began to wait on him. And when evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. And the real miracle there was that Peter got his mother-in-law prayed for, I'm sure. No, that's a joke. It wasn't a very good one. But um, <laughs> it's just really simple. Jesus took her hand. I love that. Jesus does that a few times. He does that with Jairus' daughter. He just takes her hand, gentle. And just that touch from Jesus. Sometimes healing miracles are just stuff speeded up that might have happened anyway. You might have got better from that fever in a week or two, but my experience of healing is very often it's speeded up. It's a headache that goes now rather than in a week's time or after I've taken the paracetamol. But here's, here's a healing that happens. But there's something too about healings. When one thing happens, it can be a catalyst for lots of things happening. You know, sometimes we, we have a kind of poverty mentality around people being touched by God. Someone gets touched by God and we think, oh, it's all right for them, but what about poor me? It's never going to happen for me. Rather than, it's happened to them. Gosh, it's probably going to happen to me too. And there's that expectation. Something happens and it unlocks healings for the whole village. 
it unlocks deliverances for a whole village. Jesus is at work, and uh, that, that's a just that's how he, how miracles of healing happen. That very often, there's a a multiplication. Also, fulfillment of prophecy here. You see, who is Jesus? He's the one. When he comes, there's going to be signs that there's a king in town. In the Old Testament, it was prophesied that blind eyes would be opened when the Messiah comes. And when Jesus comes, blind eyes are opened. And, and he, he tells John the Baptist, who's in a little bit of doubt because John the Baptist is in prison. It's not working out the way he thought it would happen when the Messiah comes. I find myself in the dick. What's going on? And, and Jesus says, go and tell John what you see and hear. The deaf hear. The blind see. The poor have the good news. Preach to them. Blessed is he who doesn't fall away on account of me. And he does these messianic signs. This is a sign of the kingdom. Isaiah said, it's going to happen one day. The king's coming into town. When he comes, it's going to happen. And as Tim Dobson was saying at our 8 o'clock service, healing is a sign of the kingdom. It really is. And it happens whenever the kingdom of God is at work. There's this signpost. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. That's what it looks like. So it looks like that. Here's another miracle. Um, Jesus is going to go and cross the lake. He got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping and the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What man is this? What authority has he got? Jesus is always surprising people with the level of authority that he has. And he's got authority to speak to a storm. Waves, be still. Wind, cease. And in fact, literally, the Greek is be muzzled really interesting and that speaks to someone who is the lord of creation some of the signs and miracles that jesus does he does because he's a spirit-filled man he's the true human being with the spirit of the sovereign lord resting on him and some of the miracles that jesus does are because he's the unique son of god and we have to distinguish a little bit between those but um i also wonder with this one was that a supernatural storm uh, there's a, a, a little rabbit or a rabbit, something, hole, trail, something. Anyway, you know, Jesus has said, come on, guys, we're going to go across the lake. Why? Why did Jesus go across the lake? What happens, we'll read it in the next bit, is he encounters a, a demonized man, sets him free from the power of, 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 of the devil, and comes back again. On the way across the lake, there's a whopping great storm. And Jesus speaks to it the same way he speaks to demons. Be quiet, stop it. When he gets to the, the lake, and it's two men in Matthew and, and one man in Mark. And, um, but, but whatever it is, there's some demonized people there who are pretty severely demonized. And Jesus rebukes them. And, and there's a load of pigs. Pigs are unclean animals. And uh, they say, let, let us go into the pigs. And Jesus says, you can go into the pigs. And he does that because... Sometimes when people deliver from evil spirits, it's a bit traumatic. He doesn't want the trauma. You go quietly into the unclean pigs, and they go into the lake. So the pigs end up in the lake. I think there's something about that. 
Maybe there's a territorial influence here. And Jesus has crossed the lake to bring the territory of the kingdom of heaven to a place where there's the kingdom of darkness. That's why he doesn't allow the demoniac to follow him. He says, stay here and proclaim what God has done for you. And that's what goes on. Jesus has made a missionary out of someone who is a victim. He loves to do that. He loves to turn victims into ministers. Jesus has crossed the lake. The powers of hell trying to stop him there with a storm. And when he gets there, he encounters something that's manifest in this demonized person or individuals, sets them free. And he leaves a deposit of the kingdom of heaven there. And um, that is fantastic. I'll just read the, that little bit. I got there in, in advance. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the gatherings, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent, no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. They said, them go. So they came out and went to the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. And those tending the pigs ran off, went to the town, and reported all this, including what had happened to the demonized demon-possessed men. The whole ten went out to meet with Jesus. Then when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Now maybe they thought, we can't be dealing with all our pigs going in the lake. But maybe they were just scared. <laughs> There's something awesome about Jesus. And the thing about miracles is they provoke reactions. In fact, I believe that miracles destabilize the powers in our world. Because our world is just not neutral territory. It's not just a human realm. There's a kingdom of darkness and a kingdom of light. And there's a whole human realm as well. But there are hidden powers at work that are actually under the um, lordship of the prince of this air that Jesus calls the Satan. And um, when Jesus comes, their power is destabilized because there's a king coming with greater authority than they have. But when miracles happen, things are shaken. And there is often backlash. And miracles sometimes provoke opposition. One of the greatest miracles in the Bible is when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And that's when his enemies plot to kill him. In fact, the raising of Lazarus probably precipitates the crucifixion. It's like Jesus throwing down a gauntlet to the powers. And, and actually, maybe before the end of the ages, maybe before Jesus comes back, the, the tension between light and dark and the, the, the places, the miraculous, might increase. I don't know. But it's certainly true that miracles, they're disruptive things. And that's one reason why we don't see them. Because sometimes we either don't want or aren't ready for the disruption that comes. There's a lot of disruption in this little town when Jesus comes. It wasn't good news for the owners of the pigs, to be honest. Probably wasn't good news for the pigs either, to be fair. <laughs> but um, I'll carry on. <coughs> but it's authority. Do you see the authority again that Jesus has? He's speaking to his powers all the time. We're into Matthew chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came back to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. And um, Mark adds, who can forgive sins except God alone? That was their, their kind of comment. And knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? 
what's easy to say? Your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat and go home. And the, the man got up and went home. And when the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe. And they praised God who'd given such authority to man. Just, again, we, we talked about faith, didn't we? And sometimes people can blame people who are sick for their lack of faith. Jesus never does that. Sometimes he blames his disciples for their lack of faith. Sometimes he's kind of a bit critical of the community, like Nazareth, where they don't have much faith in him because he's a local boy, you know. But he never blames a sick person. And faith, as I said, is key, but it doesn't have to be the faith of the sick person. You're the, if you're the sick person, you're the one with the symptoms. It's not going to be easy for you to have faith. It's so helpful that, that Matt illustrated that when he said, I had zero faith. But the faith of his friends was something that God used. And it was just the same with the paralyzed man. A bunch of friends bring a, a paralyzed man to Jesus. Jesus sees their faith and says to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. That's divine level authority because I can't forgive the sins of Matt Dobson unless it's been directly against me. But God can. But actually, that's the authority that Jesus Christ has, the divine level authority. And it's validated by power because power backs up authority. That's how it works in life, doesn't it? If you've got authority, your authority is going to be validated by your power. If I'm... Um, a traffic cop and um, you've been speeding and I pull you over um, and try and arrest you, my authority says stop. And if you resist my authority, I will use my power. I will try and handcuff you or taser you, you know, in your case, Luke, um, or, or get, get back up. I need more power because this one's a, a tricky one, you know. But power backs up authority. And that's what, what, what happens here. Or, or power validates authority. You know, that's how the kingdom of heaven is. Authority belongs to Jesus Christ. And God has backed Jesus up. God is Father. Because Jesus emptied himself by becoming fully man of his innate power and just lived like the rest of us. But there was such a, a, a place of intimacy and authority with his Father in heaven that the Holy Spirit comes and the power of the Spirit in Jesus does extraordinary things. And the reason I'm saying that is because we're also called to be miracle workers. We've looked at Jesus and we've seen in Jesus someone who has compassion, authority, and power. Someone who fulfills prophecy. Someone who forgives sins. Someone who's recognized by and has authority over evil spirits. Someone who speaks the elements and they obey. That is someone you can put your faith in. That is all hail King Jesus that is Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came into the world to save and to seek people like us and to bring them home to our Father and to make us men and women of his kingdom. But he doesn't leave us in our brokenness. He comes to give us his Holy Spirit so that we can copy what our Lord Jesus Christ was like in his incarnate life. And so the gospel narratives, they do reveal the divinity of Jesus, but they also reveal what a spirit-filled human being is meant to look like. And I just read you that story. You know, who can forgive God, who can forgive sins except God alone? 
You know, when Jesus gathered his disciples on the first Easter Sunday, John 20, their authority is at rock bottom. They're hiding behind locked doors for fears of the Jews. Jesus appears among them. Peace I give to you. Breathes on them and says, receive the Spirit. And listen, this is what he says. If you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. He just gives them divine level authority because they're his followers and he has authority and they are under his authority. If you're under the authority of Jesus, then you too can speak to sickness. Like Jesus did, he commanded it. He didn't just say, please, Lord God, make this person better. He said, be healed, be clean. But you know, we need power to back up that authority. So the work of the Spirit, dunamis and exousia, dynamite power and executive authority. Jesus, in his incarnate life, sent his disciples out on mission trips. Here, have some of my authority power. Go off and heal a few sick people and raise a few dead people. And they came back rejoicing. But when he left planet Earth permanently, he gave them authority. But he also said, in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and you will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you. And these followers of Jesus, they knew they needed power. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. The Spirit of God came upon them. And from that time on, we see them going their way, doing the things, pursuing the work of the kingdom that Jesus had entrusted to them in the power of the Holy Spirit and doing miracles. Healing the sick, raising the dead, driving out demons. And this Jesus who we worship, King Jesus, is the one who wants to give us authority and power as his followers. And so it'd be great if we could um, just take a little bit of time putting that into practice. One of the things I say about our services, we had a little newcomers gathering tonight, newcomers tea. Those you were invited didn't come, shame on you. Do come next month. It was a fantastic thing, actually, because everybody there was from a different nation. We had people from South, um, South Africa and South Korea and Hong Kong and Poland and Iran. And some of you are in the building tonight, and it was great to have tea with you. That's a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is like, people from every tribe and tongue and nation gathering. But I told them, this is what happens at Woody's. We have... Four ingredients in our services. We have welcome, we have worship, we have word, but we also have wonders. And what we mean by that is whenever we gather and we sense the Spirit of the Lord is here, we want to be open to what God is going to do by his Holy Spirit. And sometimes we, we share words of knowledge. Does someone hear, does this mean anything to you? And that's to raise faith. It's so that we will know that God knows that God has noticed us, that he loves us, and that raises our faith. He'll come and get a prayer. A bit like Tia's story, wasn't it? That's why she came out, because someone had a word. She had a, it raised her faith from zero to 50%. But she felt known and noticed. And we just want to be open to the work of the Spirit tonight. So what I'm going to do um, in a moment or two, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to pray and ask for, for the presence of the Spirit and maybe ask for some words that might encourage our faith. And then invite you to respond. And what we'll be doing, actually, we'll be having a, a space here at the front of the building where we'll want to be praying for people who need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, who need to be healed of sickness, who need to be set free from things 
that are actually from the enemy, unclean things, oppressive things, burdening things that you're sitting under. We want to see you set free tonight. So just in anticipation of that, I, I find for me it always helps to stand and open my, my hands out as a sort of non-verbal prayer to God. God, I'm empty, fill me. God, I'm vulnerable, be my rock. And if you, you feel that you want to be part of this, I just invite you to stand with me too and just put yourself in that physical posture. And no, no, don't feel bad if you can't stand, and don't feel bad if you don't want to do this. You, you, you're <sighs> Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We've sung about King Jesus tonight. Holy Spirit, will you reveal Jesus to us? Holy Spirit, let your power come. A power that heals the sick and drives out demons and raises the dead. And I want to pray, God, that your power would rest on us in this building tonight. The power of heaven coming down on earth because King Jesus is here. He's in our midst. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And just, just wait, rest in his presence, stand and just be open to anything God's doing in your life right now. We, we, we've asked him to come. Remember, he's for you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here now. He's been here all the way through this meeting. He's been softening some of your hearts. Some of you have felt a bit teary. It's a sign of the Spirit. Some of you have felt some of that, that kind of divine energy, if you like. That in your, your physical body has been telling you there's, there's something happening here. God's here. Some of you have felt that, that faith stirring in your heart. And... Um, as we're standing here now, um, if you if you felt that faith rising tonight, and you felt mm, got faith, uh, I just want to invite you just to come forward and, and and stand at the front. There's faith that God's going to do something. Don't quite know what it is yet, but I wanted to do that. So if if you're someone like that, you think I've got faith for something that God's going to do with me, in me, or for me tonight. I'd love it if you come forward. Just just stand right in front of me. Come with the shadow of my nose. King Jesus is here for you tonight.
going to invite people from, from, from our team just to just come and place your hands on those men and women and just say, God, I want to bless what you're doing. I want to ask you to, to fill them and use them. I want to ask you to maybe just say, what are you asking God for? And, and I want to ask God to give these people what they're asking for. But this is just a start, all right? So this, the preliminary. This is the, um, the first course. Because sometimes when God starts, it spreads. And we want to pray for a fire to spread tonight. Holy Spirit, just come on, Tash, as she's standing there in this room now. Just let your spirit come upon her with more power in Jesus' name. There's the one or two people who no one's praying for them. And it'd be great if you did. If you could just be kind and come alongside and find somebody to pray for. As we're praying, let the, let the, uh, the Father's hand rest his blessing on your head. The Father's hand is just resting on your head now, just bringing that sense that he's for you. And there's an anointing for the Spirit calling you to be his ministers, calling you to receive from him. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. And maybe you're standing in the congregation and that's happening to you too. You're just aware the Spirit's there. It's, it's, he's, he's in charge, really. And there's some people in the room tonight who I think... Um, correspond to some of the things that Jesus was doing then, he wants to do now. We want to pray for more, Lord God, in this room tonight. More of your Holy Spirit. Increase what you're doing right now in this room, I pray. There's, there's the kind of ripples of the Spirit touching people here at the front, which I can see. I pray that those ripples of the Spirit would spread in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And I think that um, some of the things that God wants to do tonight, I think that there are some people with skin issues. And Jesus touched people with, with a skin issue, and he was healed. But there are people who have been carrying chronic long-term skin problems. And I want to ask God just to, um, if you say to God, do you want God to heal you? Let's, tonight, I think it would be a good night to ask him to do that. I think there may be some people here who are carrying significant anxiety, fear, just a sense that I'm being oppressed. We want God to, to release you from those things tonight. I felt um, this morning that actually there were, there were some women with gynecological issues. There was some bleeding, some discomfort, some long-term issues. And I think there's more of that actually for healing tonight for, for people. So I would say, Holy Spirit, will you come? And um, 
I just wonder, just, if could you just, give, just wave your hand somewhere in the building if you feel that as we've been praying so far, God's Spirit has been meeting with you a little bit somewhere along. You just raise your hand. So, so there's, there's this little cluster of people down here who really feel that God's been meeting with them. There's some people out, out there. Because actually, you may be catalysts tonight to be praying for some other people too. So again, if, if, if something I've just shared with tonight around a physical condition, around a healing need, registered with you, could you just put just... Maybe wave your hand at me a little bit and say, yeah, that, that, that's something that I would like to... There's someone over there? Someone here? Someone so, some, someone at the back? Some people? And I, again, if, if you've just got a little bit of faith now to pray for someone, could you go and find those people? Put your hands up wherever you're standing. Can you see those people? Holy Spirit, will you come? And prayer ministers, will you go? <laughs> And we want to pray in the name of Jesus, God, that today you would speak to things that are from the enemy, things that are unclean. We pray that you speak to anxiety and fear in the name of Jesus and set people free. We want to pray, Lord God, that tonight you'd speak to people carrying long-term gynae problems. And I pray that there would be a, a healing from endometriosis and other gynecological conditions that are causing problems for women in this building tonight. I want to pray, Lord Jesus Christ, that where people are carrying um, skin conditions that are troubling and disturbing, I pray that be a work of your spirit. And uh, we'd love to pray with you. So I guess um, there may be some other people who've got some words to share, but otherwise what I'm going to say, let's get the worship team back up here. And we want to just have a bit of a prayer mosh pit at the front, really, where we just get a chance to lay hands on people and bless them and touch them and ask for the power of God to set them free. Is that all right? So as we go back into worship, if you've got a prayer need, uh, or, and you, you can be prayed for right where, you're, where you are right now, but if you've got a prayer need, just come forward because we'd love to pray for you. Or if you, you feel like you want to be praying for someone, you've got that catalytic sense, yeah, this is for me.